Hey guys, this is Dr. Noor and you're listening to Cut to the Chase podcast. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 98. Hmm. Episode 98. That means we're two episodes away from hitting 100. Wow. That is a significant accomplishment in less than one year. And so today, I've got something rather unique to talk about with our audience. And so today in episode 98, which is entitled Mompreneur of Science, I know everybody's going, okay, wait a minute. This is another quirky title that Greg's come up with. We don't have a clue as to where he's going to go with this. But my featured guest, she is, let's just say she is the essential mompreneur of science, and she's going to bring it all together for us. And so let's kind of talk a little bit about what is a mompreneur? So a mompreneur is a female business owner who is actively balancing the roles of motherhood and entrepreneurship. The term was introduced in 1994, bringing up little ones not only as a full-time job in itself, so when you're a busy mom and you're working to earn a living, it's efficient, or excuse me, it's effective to have like two jobs. And when women set up to run their own business on top of caring for their young children or children, should consider being a mompreneur, which is a inspirational type of figurative way of saying this is a person who serves dual roles. So as we all know, starting any new business takes dedication, time, energy, and money, as well as being a mom and trying to balance those demands and the stress of running typically a home-based business as an entrepreneur and the hectic times and demands of being a full-time mom and an entrepreneur is basically, it's kind of like, a, it's like an epidemia of multitasking. Despite the many challenges of balancing motherhood and family life with running a business, there are millions of women around the United States that are successfully combining the two. And today we are really going to talk to one of our featured guests who really has a different flavor on the mompreneur of science. And so I have a quote and the quote goes just like this. It says, just because you don't see immediate results, don't give up. Every brave choice you make is affecting you and the lives of those you love more than you can imagine. And so our featured guest today is a Bangladesh American 
medical doctor and surgeon who grew up in inner New York City as an immigrant kid. She currently owns her own agency and manages a team out of Tampa, Florida, but works with clients nationwide. Her mission now has become to educate and inform growing entrepreneurs about their health insurance options and how to navigate healthcare systems of America so patients and customers always win and not the big insurance companies. In addition to a strong clinical background, a thriving business practice, she is also active in the public healthcare sector, just just recently published a research paper that talks about the gap in the resources or excuse me, resources of infertility services for women and attending higher education. This is a topic that is extremely near and dear to her heart. She has a one year old son and is a part of motherhood during this whole COVID parenting and all of the challenges of giving birth during a time of a pandemic. Now being a mompreneur who champions the way for other moms in science who want basically it all. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce our featured guest, Dr. Noor Ali. Do you have any opening remarks or did I do such a bad job introducing you that you're going to go, Greg, we don't need to talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say, Greg, are we are we done taping or, or we didn't even start? Because you basically, you know, said everything I would have said. That was amazing. Thank you so much for such a great, great introduction. Um, and of course, defining mompreneur so nice. I love that. I love that definition. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Certainly, uh, you know, when we when we talked about this during our discovery call, I was kind of like, OK, I can see that. I can see that, particularly with all the things I've seen you kind of worked on, you know, with your IG and, mm-hmm. and obviously your business website and all this great. Things. I said, I can see the the mompreneur of science. <laughs> so as we're talking about this mompreneur of science, let's kind of break that down in your own words. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think the best way to describe this unique role, this title, mompreneur of science, is really just in layers. You know, um, I come from a very strong science background. It's really all I know. I attended um, Bronx High School of Science, then I went straight to medical school, which was medical science, um, and then I went to grad school, which is public health, um, also in the health sciences sector. So my foundation, my education, is all has always been you know, grounded in science. Um, so that's my foundation. And then you add the layer of, of being a female business owner, you know, the layer of entrepreneurship. Um, and now recently being having adding the layer of being a mother and a first time new mom. So it's all of these layers that encompass, you know, come with its own unique set of challenges, of course, rewards as well, that really bring about this, this aura of being a woman of being a mompreneur in science. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that with uh, with our listeners. And so, you know, I guess the assumption would be or, or, or maybe it is fact that, you know, you've really spent, you know, probably the past um, several, you know, years of, of really kind of honing in on, you know, your medical practice and, and your surgeon practice. And then, of course, you know, you have this passion about helping entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. particularly as it relates to, you know, the insurance 
and the healthcare systems and all of, I'm going to use the term rigmarole. You know, people are going to go, well, wait a minute, Greg, you know, that's probably not in the dictionary. But, you know, for me, you know, that whole healthcare system and all of the paperwork and jargon is just an utter nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so what were some of the things that led you to say, I really need to step out and be able to really kind of close the gap on the education between big insurance companies and the little small guy so that Mm -hmm. we can help the small guy win. What were those driving factors for you? I think, thank thank you for asking. It's it's a wonderful question. And I think it all stems from personal frustrations. You know, I did not understand insurance or health insurance in America before entering this field. You know, I did not know what a deductible was. Um, You know, I saw the struggles between, you know, who are the key players in this game? You've got big insurance company, you've got your provider, uh, your doctor who's providing care to the, to the, patient and then you've got your patient who's just trying to figure it all out and and figure out what's best while they're going through an illness and really just doesn't know what the heck to do. So I've seen, you know, the struggles on all sides. I've studied healthcare systems at a very scientific level. So when I was able to identify like, okay, this is this is just a very convoluted, messy area and someone needs to just make it make it easy. And I just want to be clear, like I didn't come into the game trying to say, well, I I single-handedly will change healthcare uh, in America. I, I'm, you know, championing healthcare reform. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. What I'm trying to do is just really use education to empower people to make better decisions. Um, I think, you know, one of my unique characteristics is I'm, I'm very transparent, like, hey, I'm not trying to here to tell you like, well, here's a magic bullet answer. I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you, like, this is what it is. And here's what's going to make you, you know, least out of pocket or at least feel like you're in the in the best possible position that you can be given your situation and circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you used the term least out of pocket because, uh, you know, as a small business owner and, and, and obviously having to, you know, pay for others insurance that work for, you know, one of my endeavors, you know, I find myself going, my God, am I buying, you know, the company that I'm supporting that they're supposed to be supporting me with healthcare mm-hmm. or, or, or is this really the best value being mm-hmm. added? And so as, as, as I'm, uh, as I'm, I'm, as I'm leading up to my question here, I guess the thing is, is, you know, with all the bureaucratic, you know, political, you know, big, big farm, you know, um, insurance industry kind of layers and layers of, of just red tape that's out there. I would really like to know from your perspective, is it ever going to get any better? I mean, do you ever foresee the future getting better with insurance? Because I mean, and, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, give you kind of an analogy or an example. Mm-hmm. When I go to other countries, other countries say, well, you know, our insurance and our healthcare system is covered by the government. You get mm-hmm. sick, just mm-hmm. go, go to the doctor. I mean, if you need heart surgery, whatever. You go to the doctor. I mean, they take care of all that. You don't have to pay into mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of these extra and extra and extra. And so sometimes it just, you know, it, it, and I'm going to be very truthful with our listeners. You know, sometimes it feels like you're paying a mortgage mm-hmm. and a house payment and another car payment on on top of the things that really kind of you know, come across almost unexpectedly because even though you've signed up and you try to get your deductibles low or you pay a higher deductible mm-hmm. so you have less costs yeah. on the backside, 
it's always never truly the right balance act, you know, because every mm-hmm. year you try to make an adjustment, you know, that's the year that you really don't need that much cover, you need less and then mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's it's completely, completely, utterly frustrating. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can empathize, Greg, I really can. And I'd love to answer that question. And I'm going to answer it in two parts, because you, you sure. made some very important uh, points there. So the first thing I want to, you know, call to your attention is your perspective, your mm-hmm. perspective as a, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a serial entrepreneur, is very, very different than if the same Greg Proctor were making, let's say $20,000 or less per year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That Greg Proctor would say, well, I love our healthcare system, because I get free insurance through Medicaid. I don't have to pay a thing. I can go see the doctor as many times as I like, and I'm Mm -hmm. out of pocket zero. But Mm -hmm. being a successful entrepreneur, Greg Proctor, your options look vastly different. Not only do you not qualify for Medicaid due to your XYZ income, like Mm -hmm. you said, your your payments look like a a mortgage payment. So that's one perspective, you know, you have to keep in mind because who you are and where you live has everything to do with your outlook um, on your health insurance and and on the healthcare system in America as a whole. Right. So that's one thing. Um, And secondly, to answer the question, is it is it possible for our healthcare system to look different, to mimic other countries where you go and see it's it just not as complicated. Like, what's the deal here? Why mm-hmm. is it so difficult or why is it so darn expensive in America? Um, and the answer to that, and I'd like to, add, you know, call into call a different player into perspective, and that's our economy. Our health mm-hmm. insurance system is deeply tied to um, the system of a capitalist economy. So you sure. mentioned, you know, having the government funds pay for healthcare costs in other countries. In our country, our healthcare system is a mixture of payer systems, of, 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 of different healthcare systems in different countries. It's just mishmash together to create our system. And you mm-hmm. have you have capitalism built into it. So this is where big insurance companies as private companies come into the picture as key players of providers of insurance, of healthcare costs. So you've got government funds for, for certain programs like Medicare, Medicaid, and then you've got private companies, which are health insurance companies, which also try to come in and, and solve the problem. So because of this public-private battle, in essence, even if you had funding, it would require trillions of dollars of funding for a universal program of Medicare for all, you cannot just one, you know, one day say, well, I'm so sorry, uh, big pharma and big insurance companies, but you are, we can, you're, you're out, out of business. That fundamentally goes against the prince, you know, the economic principles this country is built on. Does that make sense? Oh, right? I, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, I, t- I totally agree with you. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I understand, you know, completely how it works because of the simple fact that, you know, here recently in the state of Texas and to all my Texonians that are listening to this, you know, we were, you know, the poster kids for not having power because of capitalism, because of, you know, the fact that the federal government really is not overseeing the power grid of what's going on here in the state of Texas. And so, you know, when you start looking at things that really should have some type of regulation and some type of standards of, of means that really try to protect the people that are out there so that are never put in a situation of harm, particularly when you're dealing with sub-zero conditions, mm. um, you know, it, it, it's almost like, you know, you have to look at it and say, 
why is Texas the only one off, you know, as mm-hmm. it relates to the power grid? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as you start to look at, as you said, you know, the the economy and the economical mm-hmm. viability that goes mm-hmm. on and, and, and the democratized, you know, systems that we have out there for for commercialization. I can respect that because I'm a small business guy, you know, and and I, I respect that, you know, the fair means for competition. But there's just certain things out there that I say to myself. We need to take another serious look at this because if other GDP com- or countries out there are making this work, mm-hmm. you know, why can't we here mm-hmm. in the U.S.? And then and then here's here's another caveat that I'll throw out that we're that we're talking about here since we're on this topic. When I am working on government projects, which a mm-hmm. lot of people know I do on one of my other endeavors, you know, as a management consultant, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at how much money that you know I've paid out as a taxpayer and how much more money that the American citizens have paid out as taxpayers, and I'm required to go in and save a you know a a, a very well known EPC, an engineering procurement management company because they've gotten sideways with the government on a project mm-hmm. or because they can't manage their checkbook or because they've overspent and underdelivered and they can't mm-hmm. meet their obligations and requirements i can say you know what this is total you know what because yeah. i'm yep. like come on let's be realistic if we're paying all of this money where is it going where is it going yep, yep. where is it going yeah that's a, that, so that funding is is a great point that you you know brought up so is it possible of course it is there's there's money mm-hmm. floating around it maybe it's being utilized in departments that you know we don't we, we don't support or it's it's in these kind of areas where you see where you have some private clients the money is there it's just not being harnessed and utilized in in a manner to effectively serve the public in terms of healthcare yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly, uh, like you said, we will never be able to uh, to uh, solve the world's problems on uh, Cut to the Chase podcast. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, is, it is worth the dialogue, just like it's worth the dialogue with a lot of other, you know, movement type things that are going on in today's society to really take a strong look at how do we get better? You know, because uh, we get into these quagmire of, 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 of instances that we find ourselves literally kind of, you know, standing out in the middle of the road naked with our pants down or whatever, whatever visual acuity you want to give it. But it's always at the wrong time because when it's at the wrong time, it's too late because it's you haven't late. prepared. You haven't you know? prepared. Yeah. You and that's one prepared. of the public health principles, like one of the main public health principles to prevent, um, you know, these kind of crises is, is preparation. You have to be prepared for every situation scenario, you know, mm-hmm. in, in every mm-hmm. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we you know, obviously, we appreciate your insight on that. Like I said, I I apologize for getting off on a tangent about the, the health care. I mean, no, thank I, you. I think this is like you said, it's an important conversation to have. You know, you and right. I with one on conversation on cut to the chase, we're not going to solve the world problems. But this conversation has opened up and I hope there's a listener who who can identify it and, and perhaps make the change that we need, you know, or be the driver for the change that we need. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as we're as we're still talking about kind of your your medical background and then the mompreneur of science, you know, 
I realized, and, and, and actually, you know, a while back doing some of our discovery uh, conversations, we had talked a little bit about this. I realized that you were working on or you had worked on some research work mm-hmm. about, you know, talking about the gaps in the resources for infertility services. Mm-hmm. And of course, I had expressed to you that we just did a podcast, you know, several weeks back, uh, basically kind of yes. talking about infertility. And it was rather coincidental to me that when you expressed that to me and I said to myself, wow, you know, here it is, you're in the medical field and you find that there's a lack there of mm-hmm. resources regarding infertility. You know, I'm an interviewer getting ready to mm-hmm. to interview, uh, you know, uh, two ladies that that wrote a book about infertility. You know, their story was the same regarding the lack of resources. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My story was the same regarding the lack of resources. Mm-hmm. But we came at it from two different perspectives. Yeah. And the perspective for me was is like, OK, as a man, you know, as trying to support a spouse and 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 any man out there that would be supporting their spouse or significant other that has gone through something that is tumultuous as uh, that type of experience, or maybe they're still enduring that type of experience because they're basing that all on hope is to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And, 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 and there was just hardly any information out there. And so could you share with us a little bit about, you know, what your work is, is leading up towards, uh, with regards to trying to close the gap on some of the resources that are lacking regarding, infertility information? Yes, yes, yes. I would love to talk about that. Thank you so much for asking. So I'll also share of how my perspective and how we came about this same conclusion, you know, the lack of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was attending a grad school at University of South Florida, and I was going through a time where, um, you know, trying to get pregnant, but it, it just wasn't happening, right? And Mm -hmm. with uh, having a medical background and understanding the definition of infertility, you basically have to try for one year um, with no protection and, uh, and only after one year of unsuccess- being unsuccessful can we label this infertility and then explore options. So mm-hmm. now if you don't know the definition of in- infertility, you might try for, for many years and come to that same conclusion. But because I mm-hmm. knew that, I waited until, you know, the very day it, it became a year. I'm like, all right, now now we can call this infertility. I know I need some help. Let's get this started. So mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. fortunate to have kind of understood that and kind of quote unquote fast track my process. So I was going mm-hmm. through through this, you know, this tumultuous time and um, as, a, as I was probably one of the older females of my cohort in my master's program. And mm-hmm. what I found was, you know, I'm struggling, I'm going through X, Y, Z, but my college did the resources for sexual and reproductive health were all about preventing pregnancy, which mm-hmm. is so like, you know, I want to say like last decade or two decades ago, because pe- women attending graduate programs now are not in their early 20s, you know, they're in their right. late 20s, maybe in their 30s, you know, women right. attending higher education are just getting older and older. And of course, their fertility window is closing, or it's just not an ideal uh, time to, to, to conceive. So right. when I saw for some re- for some help or some resources, I just found that every sexual health um, resource was aimed towards preventing pregnancy and just free mm-hmm. condoms, and that's really really not what I needed. So mm-hmm, this led mm-hmm. me to like you know 
to, to open up the resource, like, well, what are, is it just my university or, or what are the resources available? And we did a mm-hmm. study across the top AAU schools across America, and we found less than five, less than ha- a handful of universities offered uh, treatment, testing, coverage, support, or anything related to infertility. Everything right. else was just pregnancy prevention. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what that was was about. Just understanding that women are getting are older and older who are now seeking higher education, and there's a big, big gap of resources for women trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I I went kind of eight nuts when I was doing my research, and uh, and and it was you know some of the results that that I found were just I mean it, it really blew my mind not only from the fact of being a person that has experienced that with my wife but also listening to other stories and listening to. Uh, people saying that after 17 years, they're still trying and still hoping that, you know, this would happen. And so some of the stats that I discovered, some of them were even predated 2018. And I was kind of like really disturbed by the fact that we didn't have more concrete data. But, you know, when you look at like the infertility rate, by the time you get to age 40, 40 to 44, you know, you're 48 percent susceptible to being, you know, um, uh, infertile, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. then it goes, yeah. then it, then it goes down roughly about 10% if you fall between 35 and 39. But what really, what really kind of boggled my mind, you know, when you got to a point of really understanding, you know, the infertility and whether or not you want to continue to go down this, this, this rabbit hole uh, of trying, 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 or switching to uh, IVF treatment or Mm -hmm. switching to a surrogate, you Mm -hmm. know, just the crossover with this staggering cost was like, Oh my God. You know I mean? It just, it just really became like an eye opening experience um, to really step back as a young family. And I mean, I've got two daughters from a prior marriage, but to step back as a young family and go, how important is it? And I mean, obvi- mm-hmm. obviously it is. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it really, really is. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody that aspires to have a child, you know, I, I don't want them to take me wrong when they hear this. You know, everybody just can't afford to go through the hundreds right. of thousands of dollars that it takes to, you know, go through these treatments. And Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that the treatments work either. I mean, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, this one interview that I had um, and other stories that I heard throughout my research um, where, you know, they went through and, 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 you know, come to realize that uh, at the time they were going to do the insemination of the eggs, Mm -hmm. you know, the eggs were, were not good. And, Mm. you know, then, you know, they went from, okay, the eggs are not being good. Then they found out there was a male factor with the husband and, you know, it was just Mm -hmm. like a domino effect Mm -hmm. and it just kept getting, you know, you know, kind of convoluted. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I mean, it, it was just like, I think emotionally, you know, for me as, as I'm just there trying to be. Uh, compassionate and showed mm-hmm. the empathy, even even when when it happened with us, um, you know, 
I can only imagine we went through it once, but if you're going through it Mm. for 17 years or if you're Mm -hmm. going through it for five years or Mm -hmm. however long that period is, I mean, the support groups are really the only thing that I saw that can really lead you in a way of of really being able to deal, deal with that emotional trauma. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh and it was like I said, it was just such an eye opening research uh type of experience for me. And and uh when that podcast is released, I mean I would highly, highly recommend yeah, yeah. that uh that you take a listen to it because it it was so emotional for me um uh, going through it with them that um I I had so much empathy for for what they endured and mm-hmm. their stories Oh my God, their stories were they were just heart wrenching. I oh mean, they gosh. really, really were. Um, and uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to those two women because they have the strength and the courage mm-hmm. to really, you know, they wrote a book, mm-hmm. and from that book, you know, they're trying to educate America on the yeah. things that that are, you know, hopefully in hindsight, very much like what you're doing, yeah. uh, is closing the gap. And that was one of the reasons why I said I've got to put you in contact with them and. Yes. Uh, there could be some collaborative effort there. That sounds amazing. Yeah, we'd love to like, you know, basically hit it, you know, hit these issues with from multiple angles from the, you know, experience of a couple going through it from, you know, database evidence-based research. And and the, it's not just about like, what are we trying to do this for? It's not just to have more support groups or someone to pat your shoulder while you're going through. Like we want, we want universities to have more funding and programs for, for females going through infertility and their partners, right? We want mm-hmm. insurance companies to have more coverage for these type of treatments because that you said when you're crossing that bridge going from you know just trying trying which costs nothing to IVF and other treatments which cost tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what is what is the support of transition or that educational liaison who's going to say okay well this isn't working now we're going to do this what why isn't there like a stepping stone of, of financial um, you know commitment why it's just it's just so difficult it's so difficult um, yeah. And I don't know if you know about medical tourism, uh, but when I was going through it and we were pretty much mentally decided that, OK, if, you know, if, if this doesn't work for, you know, the next three months or whatever, two months, we're mm-hmm. going to consider IVF. And mm-hmm. we, we simply can't afford to do it with the with the rates in America. We simply can't. What if it, it doesn't work on the first try? You know, we need to have enough funds for several tries and it's mm-hmm. just simply not affordable. And we mm-hmm. even looked at some, you know, international. Um, you know, other countries who specialize in hosting and housing um, mm-hmm. couples for for infertility treatments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's something that um, for me, just just the the consoling of what a person endures and the significance of how important it is to have that offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It, it's it's just like when you're crazily in love with someone, the things that you would do mm. and uh, that sense of hope, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. hope is very, very powerful. That mm. sense of hope carries us sometimes to the far extremes where sometimes, you know, in, in some of these cases that I've heard, particularly when you go for an extended period of time, that uh, we have to sometimes just step back and just kind of take a pause you know, and, and, and really reassess and reevaluate um, the significance of importance because, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't I don't wish anything bad upon anyone that is pursuing it. 
But certainly for me, trying to just think about this logically, it hurts to hear that after a decade or it hurts to hear after uh, 17 or, mm-hmm. or 18 years of trying that, that, you know, you haven't gotten there yet. And it's like, oh man, you know, it's, it, it just hurts. It just really hurts your soul, yeah. you know, because yeah. you don't, you don't want to hear stories like that. You want to no. hear stories of, of success and, and happiness and joy. And, uh, it's just, it's so, so tragic. So, so anyway, let's, let's shift this up a little bit because, you know, yeah. you're a mom, you know, I mean, you, 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 you've, you've been a mom now for a year, you're balancing, your business, your, uh, you know, you've got a lot of things going on with uh, coaching and mentoring and teaching entrepreneurs. So how is the mompreneur balance going for you? What is what does your normal day look like? I mean, how are you juggling all of the balls in the air that you have to to deal with? Yeah, thank you. Well, in in one word, it's hard. It's really freaking hard. It's not easy. Uh, so one of the reasons we're speaking at this time, you know, my what is it, 8 p.m. right, um, is mm-hmm. because I I can only work after my son has gone to sleep. So I'm very very fortunate that he is sleep trained. So after basically my my mom life starts when he wakes up. So uh, let's say 7 a.m. he wakes up. I'm with him all day long just being a mom. And uh, after he goes to bed around 6, 6.30 p.m., that's when my entrepreneur starts. So momming all day and business starts at 6.30 p.m. up until 10, 10, 30, 11, however long I can handle it. Um, right. So it's difficult. It's really, 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 really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, you know, for moms, you know, one of the things that, you know, I realized, and this was a quote that I picked up from Oprah as it talks about mompreneurs, and she basically states that if you don't know what your passion is, realize that the one reason for your existence on earth is to find it. And so when you're in these states of being a mompreneur and you're balancing it out and you're trying to be successful as a mom and you're trying to be successful basically as a, as a businesswoman, you know, it takes all of you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I never realized how much I grew up, as most kids always would say when they talk with their moms when they're an adult, I never realized, mom, how much you did for us. Mm. And it's just those simple phrases that kind of show the appreciation that even though you are an adult and even when you were an adolescent, you kind of took it for granted. But even as an adult, you finally realize overall the quintal essential things that moms really do for their children and mm-hmm. how much they go above and beyond mm-hmm. to ensure that obviously your roof and food and clothing and nourishment and education, all of those things, which sometimes takes great, great sacrifice. And as a mompreneur, it does require great sacrifice mm-hmm. because you're wearing multiple hats. Yeah. And uh, those multiple hats, as you've said, they're 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 tough to wear, and uh, it requires uh, requires you to do things that are probably outside of normal business hours, which we all understand. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yep, and that was a wonderful, wonderful quote. And 
Uh, thank you for for pointing that out. And and one thing, you know, as we're talking, I'm realizing now that when you like for for a females who are listening to this, if you're a business owner or thinking about it, what makes my day, you know, quote unquote, easier or me able to do this day in and day out is I'm doing things that, you know, I've, I've created a business around my skills, you know, I'm doing mm-hmm. things that I'm good at. So it doesn't feel as difficult. You know, I, I imagine like, what if, you know, I had to take care of my kid all day and then I sit down to do work and business at 6.30 PM and it's hard for me. Like I suck at this. I don't want to do this. I hate doing this. That would make me absolutely depressed and, and miserable, you know? So I right. think it's a, it's a blessing that I've, I was able to create a business and a service around my skills. Um, and I think that's something that everyone, when considering entrepreneurship, should really take a look at. Like you're, you're setting up a, a business, make sure that your day in and day out are things you really enjoy doing. Um, so you just don't end up being miserable. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Now you stated something there that indicates that you love what you do and you thrive on the fact of how unorthodox your schedule is. <laughs> and one of the things that I want to touch on, and this is going to really make you smile. I mean, I know I can't see you because this is an audio podcast, <laughs> but it's going to make you smile is one of your posts that I saw out on IG. And I really chuckled and I said, okay, she's a doctor. And I understand and blah, 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 and all these other great things. But your quote basically says, it's just not working for me. <laughs> and you are like a model, you know, in that picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I and, wasn't and, expecting that. I was like, where is he going with this? I was and, not expecting and, 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 <laughs> and I And I'm saying to myself, okay, is she a doctor model or is she <laughs> just a doctor or is this a, you know, I was trying to put it all together. And so I was like, I was like, that would make for a good, you know, kind of, uh, you know, random moment in the podcast to bring that up. Now you're yeah, going to go back to you. your IG account and you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute, which which one of yeah. those was, was oh, he no, talking about? I'm already about? there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I look good there. Yeah, that's a nice one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, you know, we are almost out of time. I mean, this yeah. has been such a uh, such a great uh, conversation. Hopefully, you know, we, we get an opportunity to to, uh, to have more banter, you know, on yeah. cut to the chase in, in the near term. But uh, what are some of the things that, you know, other mompreneurs, other striving, you know, new coming families, uh, young moms that are thinking about having a kid and operating a business, you know, what are some of the key takeaways that from your experience, you would be able to share some wisdom with them on? Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Um, thank you, thank you for asking that. And if if I can say one thing to to any mom considering entrepreneurship or starting a business from home, I would say you can do it and go for it. Uh, because I think of my life now, and as I told you, my schedule. You know, taking care of a toddler all day long, and then starting work in the evenings and going all night. And I wonder, well, what the heck did I do with my life before I was a mom? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm accomplishing all of this now, you know. Where was all this, you know, before? Like, couldn't I have done even more before I had a kid to take care of all day? And mm-hmm. I think the answer is actually no, because it takes 
being a mother. It takes having that strong why, that force propelling you to have a whole day of, of housework and chores and taking care of a kid and being exhausted, but still sitting at your laptop and saying like, no, I need to do this. I need to work for, for the next six, seven, eight hours. And I know why I need to do it. And that has become so clear to me. And I know that all mothers can understand and, and relate. Um, it takes being a mother to take your drive and motivation and everything, everything to the next level. So if you're thinking about it or having doubts, my, my advice to you is you can do it. Just start and don't stop. Being a mother is going to be the one thing that's going to help you accomplish whatever you need to accomplish. Wow. Wow. That, uh, that, uh, spoken like a true champion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 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 I, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know if there's a such thing as a dadpreneur, but certainly <laughs> when, uh, when I had my first child, I was working the night shift and, yeah. uh, back then my, my, uh, my wife, uh, at that moment in time, she was, uh, working the day shift. So, you know, after working all night and then mm -hmm. having to come home and take mm -hmm. care of the baby mm -hmm. and then not being able to really go to sleep before you had to go back to the night shift again mm -hmm. when I was when I was young was uh, was a real eye opener for me. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Well, that's a dadpreneur. So, that's you. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, it was certainly uh, an interesting time. Of course, uh, that was. Uh, probably only a few years after they invented, you know, the 1994 mom <laughs> terminology. <laughs> oh God. I love how you define that with a date too. Like, you know, that, that oh. was very scientific. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Nora, this, this has been, God, man, this has been so much fun. And yeah. again, I do apologize for, you know, my bantering and soapbox, but every now and then you just got to bring the real facts, you know, you just got to come at it from a standpoint of where other people as well as me, because I'm, I'm living it too as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, really understand that, you know, there are things out there that we wish we could change. Mm -hmm. And one of my great, great doctor friends uh, share with me something that he's doing some research on, which I just I, I just said, you know what? I said, Frank, this happens to be one of these mad science projects. And he goes on and he says, he says, Greg, we are a country of laws. And we're also a country of lawyers. Everything is about protection. However, the law is set up to protect everyone else, not you. And so when I think about everything that's going on with, you know, big pharmaceutical um, insurance, you know, I mean, you got to have insurance for everything, right. you know, car, bus, taxi, you know, home, whatever. I mean, you got to have insurance for everything. It's just insurance after insurance after insurance. To me, that statement right there just resonates with me. Yeah. I mean, are you protecting me or are you protecting the big guy? <laughs> no, that was a profound, uh, profound <laughs> statement there. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, listen, uh, again, thank you for being on the program. And so if anybody wanted to reach out to you for education, for, you know, infertility education, if they want to reach out to you for uh, healthcare, insurance, uh, understanding, uh, even your medical practice, I mean, you yes. never know, people might want to check you out and, uh, and come visit. So how would they go about doing that? Is that through your website or, yes, or what's the yes. best way to get in contact with you? Sure. Thank you for asking. So everything, all, all the, the answers to all of the above, you can find at my website. That's drnorhealth.com, D-R-N-O-O-R health.com. And there you'll find, you know, a little bit more about me, about what I do. And I've got a nice contact page with types of calls. So like Greg said, if you'd like to talk about my research, about health insurance, you know, we can do all of the above. Just uh, book a call with me and we can take it from there. All righty, pal. All right. Now you owe me a photograph with your cut to the chase t-shirt on, you know, ah, I want yeah. you, I want you to be modeling like you were in that picture. <laughs> You're right. I'll be, I'll be your model for, for the merch. You got it. I enjoy it. Like I said, I, I've built a, a brand around things I enjoy doing. So let's, let's go for it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right. So to our listeners, thank you very much. Please, as I always say at the end of the program, let's maintain compassion and empathy towards one another. You know, there's a lot of crazy things things going on out there in the world. You know, we all need to unify and come together. Dr. Nora, again, thank you very much. This has been episode 98 entitled Mompreneur of Science. And goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.